This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. We talked for 20 minutes and we were exhausted. Official sponsor, Speedy Stop. Mm. I haven't been there. What? Yeah. Have you even been to Port O'Connor? No, the farthest I've made it is Sea Drift. Oh, okay. Actually, here. That that makes sense. I'm easing into Port O'Connor. Speedy Stop has everything you need. It's pretty much the cultural center of port o'connor yeah huh so not only can you get a breakfast taco there yeah you can get a spark plug you can get a spark plug you can get steaks to cook all right guys welcome to another edition of the skiff wanderer podcast i'm joined today by two of my good buddies um, Dylan Mendoza of DM Fly Fishing, and then Wes McNew of Onion Creek Fly Co. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Of course, guys. Um, to get started, how about you guys, let's just jump right into it and talk a little bit about, you guys are both fly fishing, fly fishermen, and uh, you do a lot of fishing along the Texas coast. Um, Dylan, you do a little freshwater. I do. Wes, I do. you mess around with the freshwater? Uh, uh, at times, I haven't in a while. It tastes funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. That's why I avoid it. Mostly for drinking, right? Yeah, yeah. It's real good for that. <laughs> um, why don't you guys go into a little bit? What got you guys into fly fishing in the beginning? How'd y'all get started, Dylan? Well, I I grew up in Austin. Um, there's tons of waterways around there, so it always seemed like when there was nothing to do, um, fishing was was something we always found um to occupy us um so it was just a natural progression for me you know i started you know from the bottom literally sinking bait and you know whatever we could down to the bottom and then eventually started working you know our way up and then before i know it i was throwing flies off the docks and walking around the banks of lake travis and anywhere that had water i was you know slinging flies at it so yeah it was just a natural progression for me what uh what brought you down to the salt again it was just another you know piece of the puzzle for me that i i always wanted to to fill you know um 
once you do the saltwater thing for so long, you, you inevitably want to, uh, you know, seek different things. And, and, uh, especially in Texas, that's kind of the, you know, the, um, the overall package there. So, um, you know, it was just, just something I always wanted to do even, you know, before I started fly fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Wes? Uh, similar. I, I grew up, uh, West of Waco, a little town called China Spring, and we had, access to the Bosque and Bra- Brazos River. So as a kid, I mean, it was conventional fishing white bass run, stuff like that, uh, running trot lines with my dad, um, you know, just catching catfish and stuff that yeah for fish fries and whatnot. And then fly kind of came, I don't know, I think I just graduated high school and I was in Colorado for um, the summer. And it kind of picked it up. I was working at a camp, and I picked it up from one of the older dudes that worked there um, that guided and tied and did all that stuff. So it started out, you know, fishing trout stuff. Um, and then moved or came back home and didn't, at that point, really know that it applied to, you know, that I could go throw poppers for bass or yeah. didn't didn't register. And there wasn't a lot of people doing it, I don't, I don't think, then. Or if there was, I didn't know about it because social media wasn't a thing or anything like that. So, um, I guess maybe, I don't know, seven years ago or so, I kind of picked it back up again, mm-hmm. um, and realized that I could do it in fresh water. And I, I just, I mean, I booked a trip with a guide, um, and went out on, um, the lower Colorado and did that freshwater stuff. And then from there, it just was like, Oh, well I tried the salt. My first time red fishing was, I mean, disastrous at best. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't cast it. It was frustrating. And for me, that just made me want to do it even more. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's how, uh, me and Wes met actually. Um, he called me to go fishing one day and, uh, took him fishing and, uh, we had a great day to start off with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Caught a couple of nights, you know, it was cold time, you know, um, large mouths. Yeah. And, uh, then all of a sudden my trolling motor went out on me. So and, we uh, had to cut the day a little short. We, we cut, had to cut the day shorter. Unfortunately, it was it was chalked up to be a pretty pretty good one. But uh, yeah, damn trolling motor. Sounds about sounds like it became an adventure at that point. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was uh, shoot that was probably five years ago, four or five years ago. Yeah. When you guys when you guys started getting into the saltwater or into fly fishing in general, did you guys ever think that you'd be working full time around it or never part time? Uh, I'm still, yeah, I'm still not full time, but, uh, no, I didn't, I didn't think so. I didn't think it would become, yeah, you know, it would take up so much time and space in my life. Yeah. And, and a lot of that that you do now is you do a lot of tying. I do. I do a lot, uh, a lot of, uh, do some stuff for shops, a lot of stuff for just individuals, custom stuff. Um, and then some lodges as well. Yeah. And, uh, when do you start tying? Um, right after that first saltwater. Yeah fishing trip um was that a necessity or just i think it was more so that uh, i saw what the you know what we were throwing at them that day Mm -hmm. and i was like oh i could make this yeah and i just had um a baby not long ago so i was kind of playing the role of uh the caretaker during the day yeah for um our kiddo um I think that's called being a parent, not a caretaker. I wouldn't know. But anyway, or that's probably what my wife would tell me. It's like, oh, you're a parent. So anyway, uh, I, I had, you know, four or five hours a day on my hands while uh, she was napping. So that's when I kind of picked it up. And then it was people saying, oh, can you tie this for me? Can you tie this for me? And 
Um, it started out complete dog shit, but yeah, the more I got into it, the it got better. Yeah. yeah. And Dylan, you tie a bunch too, right? I tie mostly for myself and yeah. for my trips and you know clients and things like that. Yeah, you. everything that I, yeah I need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kind of similarities? Because you, because Dylan, you guide freshwater and you guide saltwater. I do. Are you tying a lot of the same patterns for both? Not necessarily. No. No. Um, but both are all dependent on weight. Yeah. You know, the weight is is the number one um, question that I'll have. You know, when I'm choosing a fly to tie, it's going to be you know the profile, the size, you know, all yeah. that color and materials kind of kind of come after the fact yeah 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 one day one day i wanted to take a bunch of i don't know if it would work or not because i don't have a lot of background in freshwater fly fishing but i'd want to take some largemouth flies to see how they do against a redfish i think some of them would be just fine i yeah. mean oh, yeah. yeah you could definitely take some of the stuff that you're throwing for redfish and catch bass with them yeah for sure mm-hmm a lot of your your uh, bass flies will probably be great um, Louisiana redfish flies. Well, I mean Louisiana, you can you could throw anything. anything. You throw exactly. a hook at them, and then they get right. excited about that. Right. Everything yeah. I throw bass wise though are all um, medium to large XL eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a similar hook size, or are you guys changing that up? Um, I'm probably just a little bit a little bit bigger. I'm probably running twos and ones. I got you. Um, I'll even throw like a one aught too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just depends on the profile of the hook these right. days. I mean, you know, there's some two aughts I'll tie on to tie on to bass flies. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've I've caught some fish like in uh you know, some creek where I, I tied on a little redfish fly. Um, this little bead chain thing that, that could, you know, um come off as a little crawfish or something, you know, and, and uh caught a bass on that. That's pretty cool. But it was, you know, same situation. <laughs> Saw the fish, you know, side cast it to him, let it sink and watch them you know pursue it down and eat it so it was like redfish on the fly but feeding a bass i need to come up there yeah you should yeah the falls is incredible it really yeah. is yeah yeah it is um, i agree i like fishing in colorado in fall winter when mm-hmm. the big bass get a little a little slow and deep you yep. just got to kind of mine for them biggest yeah biggest fish of the year come from the fall and the winter big time yeah you get a lot of crappy days too, but you know, if you line it up right, warming trends and things like that, you know, some stability in the flows, um, you can have some really good days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would you rather be doing? Man, it's a hard question. I, yeah. I still, um, ask myself that question all the time. Um, I honestly can't answer it. Yeah. Um, at the moment I can't cause I like them both. And, um, for the time being, I'm going to continue to to do both until I can maybe narrow it down. Um, but you know, I think that's, uh, all a part of it. You know, it's the, uh, spice of life, you know, having different varieties of of things and different options. Um, so it's great, you know, um, that I can bounce around and, and, and do what I do. No, for sure. Yeah. And you get a lot of guys that'll come, come bass fishing with you and then, you know, they'll come down to the coast and fish with you down there too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so another thing I do in the freshwater game is, is I guide for rainbow trout down in the Guadalupe. Which we had, yeah. Which in, in still, New still like when I moved to Texas and I heard that for the first time that you could yeah. go catch rainbow trout in Texas, I was like, what are you talking about? There's right. no way. Right. 
and and, then, and people knock on it you know there's a lot of people that that have their their ill will against it and 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 stub their nose against it and all that stuff and you know i've fished everywhere out west and and have done you know all of the uh wild rainbow fishing out west yeah. um and uh i mean at the end of the day i mean it's a 20 inch cromer you know on the line you know you're roping them with 2x and watching them go airborne because they've never been caught before you know that that's still something cool that'd be you know? cool yeah. and it's a small river it's very intimate you know you can throw it three four five whatever you want you know um so if you take it for what it is at face value you'll have a good time um and what i use it mostly for is development because mm-hmm. um, i can take people that have never caught fish before on the fly never even touched a fly rod and they're catching multiple fish at the end of the day yeah and they don't get discouraged they keep rolling with it and it you know gets them encouraged to go on the next trip and the next trip and you know i kind of leave something for them at the end of every trip you know where they got something to work on or something to look forward to and then so for my business model the next step would be bass fishing and then we do that for however long they want to and then we've got red fishing options available now too that's pretty slick. So, I've had customers go full circle where I've handed them, you know, their first fly rod and, uh, they've caught a redfish with me now. So, um, yeah. it's pretty awesome to, to actually see that, that whole circle. Yeah. Uh, that's fun, you know. man. Yeah. yeah. That would be pretty cool as a guide to just see that growth with a client Yeah, go from never touching a fly rod. Cause that's one of the things that, that like I've seen with, with fishing with guys that haven't really fished the saltwater or fly fish is it's a whole different game mm-hmm. from freshwater because you're sight casting, it's normally short, quick shots. The redfish are moving. You know, they know the boat's there, so they're already kind of on edge. And you, you try to, ex- you can't explain that to somebody that's, I feel like you, you, it's hard to explain to somebody that's coming down for the first time to fish the Texas coast or to fish redfish really anywhere that, look, this isn't fishing a trout, trout stream out west. This is this is going to be fast. It's going to be quick, and you've you've got to be on your A game. Right. I think one of the benefits we do have in Texas, though, is you got opportunity. Yeah, a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. A lot of warm, sunny days. So it's pretty nice. Yes, like, like today, warm and sunny and blowing thirty. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Slight wind from the yeah. north. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're actually down right now in Port O'Connor. We're supposed to be doing some prep work for the Baracho Pescador fishing tournament and uh, came down early. Cold front came through last night. So we, uh, the, the, the noon patrol is <laughs> pushing it to about three to be, be the three o'clock yeah, patrol. Three patrol. <laughs> yeah. It's in the wind's supposed to lay down and we'll go get a hour or two. Yeah. All right. So Wes, yeah. Question for you. All right. If I was new, to fly fishing mm-hmm. say saltwater we're gonna narrow it down to saltwater for you and i wanted to start getting some flies together because i was gonna go on a, like a diy trip and mm-hmm. just fi- I had the mindset i'm gonna figure it out but i needed you know a baseline and i called you and said hey what what's some, what are some flies that i should bring what what should i be looking for in flies mm-hmm. what would you tell me um i mean my first i, I would have some questions for you you know I'm, yeah. where are you gonna fish um that would be the main question. Yeah. Um, what are you fishing for? And then I would probably just, for me, I mean, I still, I still throw clousers at redfish. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't do the uh, traditional uh, bucktail. I 
put coyote fur on them and just because I like the way it breeds a little bit better. But I would, if I didn't tie myself, I would try to find somebody that could or mm-hmm. go to a shop and ask them. Um, always support a shop if you can. If they're yeah. not there, you know, then there's lots of tires out there that would be happy to happy to help you out and probably lots of them in the area and just holler at them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like Dylan was saying about weight, like I, everything down here, you know, I would stick at, if I was going to do lead, it would probably be small or extra small. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the way to just no weight at all. Um, yeah. Past couple of days, we haven't been fishing anything with weight on it. No, and it's definitely, and that's, that's where like, like when I talk to people, I'd say, man, just go to the local fly shop and talk to them. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the knowledge you're going to get there is, is going to be great. Odds are they're, and they're happy to, you know. Oh yeah. Happy to tell you about it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, local custom tires are for the most part going to be helpful too. Um, if they don't have something, you know, on their webpage or whatever, odds are that they can make you whatever you want. Yeah. So. And you tie stuff though. You'll tie stuff everywhere from redfish to permit. I tie a lot of permit flies. Um, I'm not a designer. So all I'm basically doing is taking patterns that already exist and either, you know, weighting them differently or, um, coloring them differently for specific people or specific spots where they're fishing and what they, what they think that they need for that. So it's, you, you know, if you're fishing three and four foot of water for permit somewhere, you're going to need something that gets down a little bit better. Right. So, I mean, I do a lot of, a lot of stuff with medium lead, um, especially for like Mexico stuff. Yeah. How much of that transfers over? Is any of it? As in what? Like, like if, like some of those permit flies, would you use them down here? I could. I mean, you know, if, if I made them lighter, I mean, a lot of, a lot of that stuff is like, uh, I mean, there's for Mexico, I mean, your three, three things is uh, they've been around forever and it's a ep spawning shrimp a squimp and a, a raghead yeah um that's been you know modified a little bit like the original ragheads that you'd get from um the fly shop or from you know mass produced um have like a poxy in the body mm-hmm. and fish can get that in their especially a permit can get it in its crunchers and break that and it'll twist up and the hook will twist and you're going to miss fish. So just using stuff that's going to be more malleable, flexible, mm-hmm. and um, just knowing what those adhesives are that'll do that um, yeah. is part of the part of the trick. You spend a lot of time down there, haven't you? Uh, I mean, not a ton. Um, I've, I've done three or four trips to Mexico and one trip to Belize. Um, and I'm by no means am I consider myself a permit guru or anything like that i've caught very minimal um because they are in fact not super easy to catch i've thrown at a lot of them yeah yeah i've had some near near meltdowns um mentally physically just, just spiritually ready to quit oh yeah walk away yeah this sell is, all your fly fishing this stuff. is stupid let's go bone fishing <laughs> so, so i am with sheep's head and then the i Texas just coast. you know I had to remember at the end of the day, this is, I paid, you know, I paid money to be here and this is fun. Yeah. Like, yeah we're fishing. I think. <laughs> no, this is fly fishing. It's a serious sport and uh, we don't laugh and we, we take it very seriously. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Don't laugh. Sorry guys. No fun on the boat. There's no fun zone. Yeah. That's Zero actually. Zero fun, sir. I don't know if, if you've caught any of the rough log, you'll notice that it's hundred percent business. All business. All business. Yeah. All the time. This is a business trip. All right, sorry guys. Uh, we uh, 
I'm filming this at the same time, and I only got so much time on my camera, so we got to take breaks to fix the camera and you know refill drinks and right. other important right. things that have to happen for a podcast production right. to be great. A you yeah. did have a break. Yeah, yeah. It's good to stretch. We talked yeah. for 20 minutes and we were exhausted. Official sponsor, Speedy Stop. Mm. I haven't been there. What? Yeah. Have you even been to Port O'Connor? No, the farthest I've made it is Sea Drift. Oh, okay. Actually, well, here. That that makes that makes I'm, sense. I'm easing into yeah, yeah. Port O'Connor. Well, Speedy Stop. Has it's everything like the, you need. It's pretty much the cultural center of Port O'Connor. Yeah. Huh. So not only can you get a breakfast taco there. Yeah. You can get you, a spark plug. You can get a spark plug. You can get steaks to cook. Did you really get your spark plugs? No, I no. didn't. No. Oh. But did. they did have one 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 size of a spark plug in there. I didn't know what it went to. Do they have carbon marine? It's probably a Yami two fifty. Tiller extension handles there? Mm, I don't think no, so. No, but you could they'd probably order it for you. I got one on order. <laughs> But they've got like you know some Waterloo rods uh, gear in there. I don't know if they actually have any Waterloo rods because I don't really know much about. One of one of my buddies left my tiller extension handle mm-hmm. in the bed of my boat. Nice, and yeah. I didn't realize it. And since it's carbon fiber and super light, it blew out. It is not there anymore. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, that sucks. So I got one of those slick Minkota uh, tiller extensions. Okay. Yeah. Which when you uh, when you're running a 50 horsepower Tahatsu and you've got it jacked up, yeah, there's a nice good I'd say about 30 to 45 degree angle in it, and uh, you, you can adjust the speed because of the angle. Cool. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I had to go and buy another one just so I had a backup because like this thing's gonna break. Right. In the middle. Of, my luck in the middle of this tournament, this thing's gonna break. Right. So I feel like some PVC and I wouldn't do that. Is that personal experience? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You use a PVC tiller extension handle? I did not. Um, Somebody else did. And we probably shouldn't even put this in the film or in the the deal, honestly. (laughs) All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Well, that's good that you got another one ordered. Yeah. That's pretty handy for lots of I almost ordered two, but I was like, what are the odds that I'm going to lose a second one? Does it have to come off? Yeah, yeah, why don't you just leave it on? Um, I leave mine it, on the hog all the time. It blows off. I just don't want it to get beat up. Yeah. Oh. And normally, like, I pack my own boat, so I have it all squared away. Yeah, and yeah. We were just, I was trying to make tacos right. for breakfast. Ah. Uh, you know, priorities. Yeah. Right. Tiller extension or tacos? Right. I think we all can agree. It's tacos, number one. Tacos well, yeah, one. especially in the moment. But yeah. now, right. looking back. Uh, tacos maybe. Yeah, yeah. tacos okay. for yeah. sure. I oh mean, my goodness! If you don't eat the tacos, you don't have the energy to uh, hold. You know, use the tiller handle. I tell you and what. So I didn't realize how hard that motor was to hold without it. <laughs> Till I had myself like two hands on it. Uh huh. Just trying to hold on. Right. You're gonna have like the tennis arm before oh you know it. Goodness. You know, like Rafael Nadal. You yeah, know, I don't go to that the, one jacked arm. I don't go to the gym anymore. Right. I just run. You don't need to. I just run a. You got a metal tiller band. handle without an extension. I've never ran a tiller, so I imagine that it's lots of vibration, and as you get it longer, like some of that. Yeah. That thing absorbs some of it. Yeah. They're actually, yeah. those carbon marine ones are really good. They're slick. about all that. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I'd highly recommend. You don't need one for your boat. No, no, no. No, you have a console. It has a steering wheel. It has a steering wheel. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) That's in a weird spot, so it's, I don't know. It's it's funny, though, like, so I drive ships professionally. Like, Mm -hmm. that's my job. And I've yet to go on one with a steering wheel. What 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 do you drive a ship with? Just 
levers or something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, one of them had a lever, and the other, the one I'm on now is Z drives, and you just turn it. Ah, it's kind of like having a tiller. It's pretty. Wow. It, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's Sometimes uh, that would be strange maneuvering something that big. It was. Yeah. Now it's not. Oh yeah. Now I mean, it's just work. Yeah, yeah. Now it's just. Oh, this yeah. is what I do. How far did you go on your last trip? Uh, eighteen hundred miles. Yeah, off think, the northeast coast, right? We, um, yeah, we we ended up coming out of the Gulf and we ended up go up to the northeast. Yeah, but normally, like my old boat, like we would go back and forth across the Pacific, mm-hmm. which is twenty eight days of your life that you're not getting back, just staring at blue water and gray skies and yeah, twenty foot swells. Yeah, mm. that must be pretty eerie. Uh, honestly, I'm I'm so used to it. Yeah, that it's just yeah, you know, I guess you don't get like cabin fever or anything like that. I'll get channel fever. Yeah, which is where like I can't sleep for the first like the last three days right before I know I'm going home. I'll be like, okay, I'm going home. Yeah, I get to do this. I get to do that. Yeah. And then like just don't sleep. Right. And then normally the last day I'll sleep because I'm now so exhausted that right I have to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been up for three days and participating in getting home, and now I'm home, and I'm like going to do nothing but sleep. <laughs> yeah. Which is always fun, because you have your eyes and hope set on, oh, I'm home, go fishing, and do yeah. some things that I want to. Yeah. But like last time, I mean, you literally what, got home at like five in the morning and met us That's at right. nine That's right. Last fishing. time we were all yeah. together, you showed up. Yeah. yeah. I basically rolled up, got home the day before, got up the next day, hooked the boat up, and came yeah, came to go fishing with you guys, right? Which, yep. if you're a merchant mar- mariner, uh, highly recommend that plan of action on coming home, because that was a, that was a great day of fishing. It yeah. was a good day of fishing, especially for getting a late start. We, right, noon, noon patrol. patrol. Noon patrol was at it again. Dude. Yeah, but you know, weather's weather. One day we're gonna have to fish a tournament together, just so we can have that team we'll, name. We'll let everybody start at eight too. And uh, oh my goodness, yeah. if we started doing that and winning, <laughs> what time did you guys start? Noon. How long did y'all fish? Mm, three, three hours, hours. Three, four hours yeah. <laughs> what's crazy though is like after that it started getting so hot along the coast yeah that that time of day all the fish were like way down in yeah. the grass and stuff like they weren't moving they were hunkered right. down right and like we started having to we were going out sunbreak because by 11 o'clock the fish were done yeah you could find them but normally you'd run them over and then they just, you know, yeah, peace out of your life forever. Right. Yeah. You see a bunch of blowouts and that's about it. Right. Yeah. Oh, there went another one. Yeah. Oh, okay. There's yeah. another. So a little bit more back on topic. Yeah. 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 I am a good fan of tangents, but we'll, we'll, we'll ease it back right. in. It was a good tangent. I mean, we can even talk about the tidal swings of why it was good at that time of the year. Where we were. When we were noon patrolling it. Yeah. yeah. You know, we had the double tides. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. our majors were actually in the afternoon. So we were actually catching the falling tide of the second hump. Yeah, see, we were, we were, we're not was, lazy uh, or a scare, scared right, we, of weather. We, we totally planted it. Right? Just yeah. Super intense. That was also a cooler day because of all the rain that had come through. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's weird. So, like, I grew up in South Carolina where tides, tides are... You have to follow the tides. You have to watch right. what the tides are doing. And the rest of the weather obviously plays a, plays a role on, on where the fish are going to be. Yeah. But 
since I've moved to Texas, I don't follow them like I did when I was living in South Carolina. Right. Like I'll, I'll change as I'll, much. I'll check it. Like when I'm running out, I'll see where it's at and what it's doing. Right. But not like, okay, I have to be fishing at 6 a.m. Because I have to be at the spot. It's going to take me, you know, 30 minutes to run there. At that time, the tide's going to be coming out. So the fish will be coming out with it. And they're going to be at this point in the creek. And I'm going to have like 30 minutes to execute this and then get out of there. And hopefully they'll actually be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, the guys that fish South I think I've, I've said it a few times. The guys that fish South Carolina, Georgia, those places with the big tidal swings, man, and, and catch fish continuously, like, yeah. A lot of power to those guys. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just another uh, another cog in that wheel of everything having to right line up. Yeah, yeah. We should go to South Carolina soon. I want to go to Charleston. Yeah, yeah. I've never it's been. Never been. Never been. I want to go red fishing. I got I got some contacts. Yeah, they might they might talk to me still. Yeah, that's cool. I've, I haven't fished there. I've been there several times. I yeah. used to work for a band that was based out of there, and we'd be there quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful. It's a beautiful place to fish. It's a beautiful town. Um, a lot of where I fish now, when I'm home, is Hilton Head, south yeah. of there, and it's the same thing. I think Hilton Head's got one of the largest untouched marsh systems left on the East Coast. So you get, you know, you get a lot of redfish moving through there. A lot of there's a lot of area to explore, which also makes it harder because they can you know, be anywhere. You got, yeah, you got to. They can be anywhere. Yeah. And it's definitely different because you're not so much fishing flats like we do. You you know, there are flats that you'll fish, but a lot of times you're you're figuring out which creek they're coming out of. Mm-hmm. And you got to, you know, get into that creek and... Yeah, set up on it. Yeah. But, no, what I wanted to ask you, though, Dylan, is, you know, with the fresh water that you do in the salt water, how much gear changes do you make? Like, I know, I know that you're, you're not using the exact same gear, but, like... Is there a lot of stuff that that you can that you bring down, or you could bring down if if you didn't have the arsenal of rods and reels stuff that you probably have? Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of people um, that fish for bass fish six, sevens, eights, um, and all of which you can use for redfish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, my rods don't change. Um, my fly line doesn't necessarily change. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much that you know that'll cross over the reels same thing i mean a lot of people think you need this you know thousand dollar reel that's completely sealed and this and that and granted i mean that's great and it's gonna last you a long time you still got to take care of it um still got to wash it and and things of that nature but you know you get you know a, a mid-based you know priced reel um that you can use for bass and salt water you know or you already have for bass you don't necessarily need to go out and buy you a specific saltwater reel, um, yeah. especially if you're only putting in, you know, less than a dozen days on the water. I mean, that's not um, a big issue. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're starting to put a lot more days on the water, you'll, you know, start to wear out, you know, some of your cheaper gear and, and want to upgrade. And the reels will probably be one of the first places you'll want to upgrade. You know, it'll start squeaking on you or slipping or, yeah, just making weird noises when you're reeling or something that, or just not work. Or yeah, it might just completely seize up on you. Um, but I've never had that that issue happen um, to me. Um, I've you know just wash them and and they're good to go. Yeah, yeah. I think too that like if you're just getting into it and you book a guide, you don't necessarily need to bring anything. No, you know it's right. no. there's there's no reason to you know if you're unsure, right? Like just 
grab one of the guides rods. You know it's going to be set up to do what it needs to do. Right. And again, if you're only putting in next amount of days yeah. in the water, you don't need to worry about any of that stuff. Just book a guide, and that's the least of your worries. You know, save uh, that, save that money, and tip your guide or buy some flies. Right. Um, but the same thing with the leaders. Um, I pretty much build all my leaders, so it's the same same stuff pretty much um what i taper it down to is all you know variable depending on situation um that goes for for bass and redfish but pretty much you know same fluorocarbon monofilament um you know leaders that i'll that i'll make um for different situations but overall i mean i i'm running like a 16 17 pound test um towards the end and that's uh, usually where I'll stay at um, with bass as well for majority of what I do, unless I'm fishing smaller stuff, smaller water and things of that nature. But even for redfish, uh, I pretty much max out around the seven, 16, 17 pound class and, and uh, you know, taper it, taper it up from there. Yeah. How much, how much fly line difference is there? Like, cause I'm, I'm assuming like in the wintertime you get a little bit colder water. You see yes. like a big effect, like will you change out fly lines when you're fishing fresh water and colder? Yes, that's definitely when I will um, have a spare spool ready yeah. um, because, uh, yeah, you put that warm water um, in cold water and it'll shrivel up and, and coil up on you and, and be a pain in the ass. Vice versa, you put the cold water and warm water, it does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Or no, just get real slimy and slinky and not doing what it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, fish in the summertime, I think for bass, just, you know, if you fish both, just get a salt, you know, good salt water floating line and yeah, it's going to punch bass bugs just fine. Yeah. What kind of taper are you messing with? Um, just your standard, you know, um, redfish, you know, Titan taper type of thing. Um, yeah, 90 foot, obviously. Um, but, um, just, a you know, pretty heavy. Do you use the Rio, taper. You use the Rio Redfish. I use the Rio Redfish, and I also use the Rio Flats Pro. Yeah, yeah. Um, those two um, are always in my arsenal, um, and it work, works well for for bass too. You know, turning over bigger flies and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you don't really need a long cast. The majority of of that line is designed to cast around that 30, 45 foot window. Yeah, which yeah. which is definitely like with redfish. I know, like that's where you need your accuracy yes yeah so yeah. that's what i mean like if you were if you were going to come down and come fishing with you on the texas coast like that's something you tell somebody right? yes yeah yeah um you don't really need to be geared for the long shot you know i mean obviously that's great but um you know you can sneak up on these fish you can you know let that window you know opportunity open up a little more um make a more precise cast yeah. yeah, unless, you know, you get into what we were dealing with the other day where the fish didn't want to get within 50 feet of the boat. Yep, and then you have oh, those goodness. days, yeah. right? Um, yeah, it's always, it's always like, that happened to me again a few days ago where we were out, and it's something I've noticed. Like, if you get in super clear water, right. the redfish, they'll see you coming, and they'll start sp- It's counting. And All right, sorry, guys, uh, the recorder died on me. We were talking about a little bit about gear, fly lines, um, and leaders and leaders and just basically kind of, kind of the gear that, that, uh, the crossover, the crossover between fresh water and salt water that, that you can, or that you need or don't need or, or where you can kind of save some money if you're trying to do stuff DIY. Yep. Yep. Um, 
big thing for me, I'll just um, just go out and say it. Um, with flies, or I mean, uh, with rods, I want a rod that can lift up a lot of line as well. You yeah. Because um, I don't necessarily want somebody to make a 45-foot shot and feel like he's got to strip it in 20 feet to yeah. get to start his cast again. I want that guy to lay down 45 feet, strip in five, and then pick up and make that correction. Yeah. You know? So it's just one back cast, you know, and certain rods are just too limp, you know, they just don't have the backbone or a fast enough action to, to lift that weight, yeah. you know, up I, over. I'd say that line can play into that game too. Like, you know, you, you want something that has a little bit of a heavy head to it to punch it through the wind, but you also don't want something so extreme that it's hard to pick. pick hard to pick up. Pick and, up. and it's yeah. also a very hard presentation too, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. Especially like when they get spooky, you want that fly to softly land. Sure. You know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, think uh, redfish are pretty stupid and at times they can be right. I mean, we had one eat in the leader yesterday. Remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you get, you get, um, layups here and there and they throw you a bone here and there, but for the most part, I mean, they're pretty spooky, spooky fish, you know, and, uh, you got to control the things you can control. No, definitely as I've gotten more and more into, chasing them around on the flats and stuff is something I've picked up about how in tune they are with the environment around them. You know, like we were talking about like clear water, mm-hmm. they'll see you coming 50 feet away. They won't get near you. Right. I mean, you, you can see them just, I, I've seen where I've just gotten a little loud and like, Oh my God, there's a fish and right. you'll see him turn. Right. Just your voice, you know, your buddy your voice. slams the cooler. <laughs> Whenever, God, Whenever I'm the world's worst at that <laughs> shit. I'm so bad. My first first time I ever saltwater fly fishing with <laughs> with a guy actually been down uh, down the lower Laguna Madre. If that poor dude didn't tell me to not slam his cooler ten times, I swear, God did. Oh yeah, it's the worst. God, you, it's you just watch him disappear. It's like, well, all right, I guess we better go somewhere else. Oh, every every time, even like there's someone taking like a, a hard step off the bow into the boat, and you're like, right, come on, man. Yeah. Yep. Like, or some, like a butterfly. Yeah. Or if a hatch is creaky and somebody wants to just stand on the hatch the whole time. <sighs> yep. I took this guy and his, uh, I think his nine year old son out fishing. And uh, the kid was great. Um, ended up catching one or two. But um, nine years old? Nine years old. Catching redfish on the fly? No, he was actually on a spinning rod. I guess. Um, his dad was still on the fly rod. Um, so we'd get into this, you know, pot of him or whatever, you know, he'd chunk it in there and stuff. And, but, you know, there was a couple of occasions where um, he ended up spooking the fish or, this, you know, we just didn't have a shot at the fish or something, you know, and uh, fish would blow out and he would see that and the kid would, would start to throw a little fit and would and bang his feet, you know, kind of stomp his feet on the deck. And, uh, you know, we were in this big sand flat, you know, and, and I was just watching all these fish just take off. And, you know, for, you know, 50, 100 yards, you know, yeah. and I was like, damn, like, ah. there goes the rest of our shots. We're gonna have to have a team meeting here, real quick, yeah. guys. Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely. I think. I feel like that's something. I like again, where where like, you know, trout fishing. I know trout fishing. You gotta. You, you can't. You know, make a ton of noise. But I, oh, yeah. I feel like you can still get away with a lot more. Well, Especially if you're in like a river that's river that's running. Think about it. With stuff, trout yeah. fishing, you know, like they they have that turbulence over yeah. the top of them that they like, and that's their cover. You yeah. Know? And so. When it's turbulent, you don't have to be as as noisy, or you don't have to be as quiet. I mean, and and uh, yeah, you don't have to be as shy either. You can walk pretty darn close up to them, you know, yeah. until they they blow out. But 
um you know for for redfish yeah i mean there's some occasions um where it was just so slicked out and calm you know especially in the middle of summer where it's beautiful conditions to fish you know you can see hundreds of fish but uh the way you got to go about it is very you know specific and there's there's times where i'd push up on fish and i just wouldn't even say a word you know or sometimes if i would say things out their fish would blow out you know or get weary you know or they would be cruising down the shoreline all of a sudden just hold up in the grass you know or something where they heard you the boat or heard us talking or something so where i was like i'm just not gonna you know talk i'm just gonna you know the guy sees the fish and let him do his thing you know and and a lot of times i think that was the difference maker of keeping that fish within casting range yeah or at least you felt that way that day that's what worked yeah i mean there's so many variables control what you can control right yeah that's, that's what it is out there is uh just picking up on any little thing that you you know can maybe change it's one of there's a there's a video that I that I want to put together at some point about kind of some saltwater fly casting tips and one of the things that that I'm going to put in there that I that I would tell people like if if people ask me about like hey you know what kind of tips I I'll I'll tell them if you've got one of those little 35 or 45 quart yetis stand on top of it and practice casting because when you shift your weight while you're casting if you do it on that you're going to fall right and if you do it on the boat, you're not going to fall, but you're going to rock the boat and that'll push out a wave that can, that I've seen that spook fish yeah. where no one makes a noise. The boat just kind of quietly just rocks right. and it just pushes out and the fish will feel that water change. Right. Yeah. yeah it, I think that that's probably more important uh, than just talking at times. Um, now, you know, having that theory, especially when you have a client you don't really want to talk to anyway, is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just the way sound travels in general, like I... Big time. I don't know, but... Yeah. Especially, you know, fishing with and against the wind, mm. you know? Yeah. You, you fish into the wind, the sound doesn't travel as much. Right. You're fishing with your wind at your back, you Then know. you have to pull into the wind. Yeah. Mm. You do. I'm against that. <laughs> Well, you know, I've had, I've had pick your poison. Zach, yeah. Zach's had some conversations with me about, dude, we need to go into the wind. I'm like, you can pull. Right. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I know. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I just don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like in the springtime when it's blowing 25 Ripping. every single day. Yeah. It's like, this is the only way we're going to catch fish. Like, well, we tried. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We saw some. I mean, not, not, not guiding, uh, as it's, as it's benefits as the, yeah. <laughs> well, that looks like shit out there today. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stay home. Yeah. Yep. Whereas then, you know, Dylan will have that same day and his client will be there, there ready to go. Pulling into the wind. Ready to not be able to cast into the wind all day. Hey, got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely another big factor that we have down here on the Texas coast. Do you see a lot of wind, like freshwater, like where your freshwater fishing would play? Oh, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, not so much in the river. You get a lot of protection from the yeah. river. Um, but, um, yeah, certain lakes and reservoirs that all fish. Um, yeah, bass drop can get kind of windy at times. They get incredibly windy and, um, you know, they're real open and, and not as protected. And, and so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look at the wind, um, pretty regularly to see, um, where the protection is coming from, you know, and, and usually it's just, you know, you get the same wind in certain times of the year. Right. So, um, you kind of pick up on patterns at the time of the year, you know, um, yeah. what shorelines are you're going to fish or where you're going to um, drift through, you know, knowing that uh, you're going to have protection coming from, you know, whichever direction. 
Yeah. No, I mean, and, and I think that that's actually really, really good. As as you were talking about earlier, you, you, you've got a lot of clients that you've started out with trout and on the rivers and you've slowly worked them up to redfish. Mm-hmm. And I think having having that ability to work with them in a windy situation before you put them in front of a redfish, because if you come fish down here, you're going to fish wind. Yep. You know, you might. You want to fish wind. The, yeah. You know, the I mean, glass calm days suck. Fish suck. Yeah. Very rarely does it actually you isn't, know, isn't end it up. Good. Yeah. Unless unless the water's low, where they're tailing, and you can see them yeah, from right. hundred feet away, yeah, you can you make can an eighty set foot up yeah. on make sure. a hero shot and make it work, and that's great. But yeah. you know, you're not getting close to them. No. Right, the wind is your friend. Yeah, Down just down. not too much of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> not not today's wind. Everything not in moderation. Knots. Yeah, <laughs> I like those Goldilocks days. You know, it's yeah. just right. Yeah, you know. just a, enough wind they to break break up all the, the noise. Keep the flies and, off yeah. you. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, or yellow flies, or whatever yep. they're the biting. Flies. Whatever's biting <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. That would that ruthless. Yeah, that's when you just get in the water. I usually wear pants, and I'm okay. Some of pants them will bite. Some of them will bite right through them, though. Yeah. Jeez. I'm not fishing with you. No, they'll that's just all right. go all to him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Yeah, you'd be all right. I'm actually, yeah, because I don't. I actually have run into to the biting flies a couple of times down here, but not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you cow chip has a lot of flies. I haven't really fished cow I've chip. I've never been that to cow much. chip. Mm. But, Is that a place? Uh, yeah, it's it's called cow chip because there's a lot of um, cow patties, you know, on the border on the shore Banks around there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I fished imagine it. there's some flies around there. Fished it sucks. Don't yeah, fish there. there's no fish there. <laughs> never heard of it. I actually, fish it on a Saturday in high tide. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Oh You'll love goodness. it. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Pull north. All right. All right, fellas, you guys got uh, any last advice for somebody that, that wants to come down here? Any last bits of advice? You know, it can be any, anything you can think of that you wish somebody before you'd started saltwater fly fishing would have told you. God, that it's going to be expensive and time consuming. <laughs> it's your life now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I realize not everybody has the addictive personality that I have or most everybody, but man, I think just, uh, working on casting was, yeah, was my big thing. Cause you know, I got down here and got up on, you know, the platform of a skiff and all of a sudden I've got just wind everywhere. Yeah. And just developing a double haul, figuring out how to get the fly, you know, at least being able to cast 30 feet yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, accurately. Pre- yeah, present a yeah, uh, unfolded leader to a fish. Um, yeah. is is the the biggest thing at the end of the day. If you can, there's lots of flies you can have on the end of it that they'll eat if they if you get it to them. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's just one of the most important things. I think, like you said, standing on a standing on a cooler in your backyard, no matter how big of a dipshit you look like. Um, My dog loves it. Oh God, I bet. Yeah. She knows what's going. When I pull that cooler out. She knows what's going on yeah. back there, and yeah. then I have to stick her inside because she'll try to eat the yeah. fly. And yes. I'd also suggest you know uh, using a fly line for that. That is either an old line or yeah, not a great great line because the grass will you you fly line up yeah, um, yeah over time. But but yeah, just you know, and and tie. Uh, I, I even use uh, 
I tie like, you know, it's just some craft fur and something on to yeah. a, a hook that I either cut the point off the hook or like just a shank Yeah. to where I actually have something close to the legitimate weight that I'm going to be casting at that fish. Yeah. And then, you know, turning the cooler around and casting into the wind in the backyard or, you know, figuring out, go to the park. Yeah. Try um, to find some space. Find some space to go be able to cast into the wind. And yeah. See with that, because if, if you can't do that, it's I'm not saying that you're not going to catch fish, but your chances are going to go way down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say just uh, do your research, you know, um, understand that uh, what we're doing is we're we're creating a scenario in, in which we want to be successful in and and how we want to catch this fish not necessarily how they should be caught that day you know so um do your research on on what you can control and what the situation's giving you and um just make sure you're you're covering all all bases you know um wind direction tides sun or no sun you know, all of which um, play a huge factor on where you should go and, you know, where you will, um, you know, potentially find success. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say that plays even more into if you're – I was using an example of a guide, and granted, you need to know how to cast no matter what you're doing, whether you're with a guide yeah. and I realize that that's expensive and not everybody can do that. 100%, but, um, you know, kayak guys yeah. um, or whatever um, – and I think if you're yeah. if you're getting into it, if you're just getting into it, I, I think if you can get it on a kayak or a stand-up paddleboard or wade fish, it slows everything down a lot more. When you get on in front of a skiff, like it, it's fast. Everything yeah. happens fast, and you can't always position yourself where you got a good cast where you're not going to put the hook in a, in the guide, yep. which they're not fans of. Yeah. Um. So I mean, you know, don't be afraid to slap on some boots and just go out there and and wait and while you're waiting practice your casting right but also don't be afraid to stick that guide with a hook to make a shot at a fish <laughs> <laughs> just don't don't be surprised if your phone call doesn't get answered yeah right yeah. depends on how many times it happens yeah right but yeah i mean nowadays everybody's got you know these little smartphones and stuff i yeah. mean i mean do your research look you know go there's online. tons of information there's tons of information there you just got to be willing to find it you yeah. know um no one's going to tell you anything no one's going to show you anything um because that's the culture around here right yeah. everybody finds their own you know spots and routine and things they do and and uh you know we're all creatures of habit so we all you know, circle back to those things. And uh, that's kind of the the beauty of it down here, right? We've got enough of that to where everybody has their own routine, routines and, and um, tracks and so forth that um, very few kind of cross, you know. And, and uh, you know, that's what's what's nice about here. Definitely. Um, you know, so... So use your phone, you know, use your, uh, you know, Google Maps and... And, uh, and open your eyes. You know, open your <laughs> yeah. eyes, exactly. Listen... Um, just go out there and run it. Yeah, and definitely, uh, I think, you know. Drive realize, it like you stole it. Realize the more time you spend doing it, you know, the greater your chances of success are. Because I, I know when I started, I spent the first three months with my skiff, and I didn't catch a thing. Yeah. yeah. Saw plenty. Yeah. Just, And then one day it just clicked. Yeah. And now I still catch not as much. Right. But yeah. every now and then. Right. I get lucky. Right. All right, well, sweet guys, I really appreciate you guys taking the time 
to uh, sit down with me and spread some knowledge to everybody. Um, real quick, before we finally sign off, why don't you guys go ahead? Because I'm going to mess it up. Because if there's one thing I'm good at, it's messing up everything. Um, tell, talk, plug your uh, plug your fly tying company, plug your guide service. Tell people where they can find you so they can check out everything you guys do fly fishing-wise. Uh, I can be found at onioncreekflycompany.com, um, on Instagram, at onioncreekflyco. Um, I've got a, on my website, there's some things there for order that yeah. um, everything's made to tie. So the thing that you do need to know if you're ordering flies from an individual tire, that odds are they tie everything themselves. Yeah. And it takes time. Yep. Um, so that's the thing. I, I, I have a disclaimer on my site, that six to eight weeks. Odds are you're going to get them before then, depending on how much you order. But, yeah. Um, I do my best. I've never, I've never not got anything to someone before they've left for a trip or yeah. something like that. It may not be exactly when they want them, but they have them before they leave. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to literally hand deliver some to uh, a customer uh, before I came down here that we were running running real close, and I delivered them to his house the day before he left, but he got them. Nice. Nice. Heck yeah. Dylan? DMflyfishing. DMflyfishing. DMflyfishing.net. You can yeah. find me on Instagram at uh, dm underscore flyfishing. Um, you can find my website, dmflyfishing.net. Um, contact me for trout fishing, bass fishing, red fishing, whatever you want to do year round. Jacks. Jacks. You One name day. it. You name it. All right. I'm going to leave links down below so that you guys can find all that stuff a lot easier. And then, uh, yeah, that's all we've got for today. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hit like, hit subscribe, all that other stuff, and I will talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all right, me. let's go fish.